What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode six of Preloaded, the podcast dedicated to previewing and talking about all of the biggest and most exciting upcoming video games. My name is Josh Finderup, and I am joined, as always, by the other half of Preloaded, Mr. Jackson Van Over. How are you doing this week, Jackson? I'm doing great, Josh. I'm so excited to dive into this PlayStation 5 reveal. Yeah, me too. Once again, we have a ton to talk about. We're going to talk about just that, the PlayStation 5 reveal. We also got a Nintendo Direct this week. There was a new piece of hardware revealed that you might have just completely overlooked. And we're going to get into a deep dive discussion where we compare the two or three or even four consoles, depending on how you look at it, now that we have all of the information. So you want to stay tuned for all of that. But first, you can catch the video version of Preloaded. We post it every Monday over on Jackson's YouTube channel. He's JV on YouTube, J-A-Y-V-E-E if you're not already subscribed. Or if you'd prefer to listen, you can catch the audio version of the podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you are listening on any of those platforms, we'd love to ask you to post a review. If you have time, and if you're enjoying the podcast, post a five-star review or even a written review. That will help us as we try to grow our audience. Also, you can write into Preloaded at the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. We welcome all of your feedback and your comments, but we'd really love to hear your questions. If you have anything that you want to hear Jackson and I talk about on the following week's show, write in with your questions. We didn't get a ton of reader mail this last week, so we definitely would appreciate anything that you want to hear us talk about right in with your questions. Again, that's preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And with all that out of the way, we're going to kick things off this week with a segment we've kind of been toying around with, but we are going to rename it this week. It is now called, Who the Hell Are These Guys? And this is where Jackson and I will answer a question that will help you, the audience, get to know us as gamers. And heck, Jackson and I might even learn a little bit about each other as gamers. And this week, kind of in in honor of all the console-related news, specifically next-gen console-related news, the question we are posing is, what next-gen game are you most excited for? So Jackson, I'm going to kick this over to you. I have a feeling I know which one you're going to say, but I don't want to spoil it. What next-gen game are you most excited for? So for me, I, I think it just changed yesterday. And by yesterday, I mean the day that we're recording the podcast uh, yesterday, so Wednesday, the day of the reveal, my game is God of War Ragnarok. Whatever that is, that's my most excited, most anticipated next-gen game. Uh, that was something that was slightly rumored. We didn't expect it. We'll talk more about this in the, the section about the PlayStation 5 reveal, but that's it. I, I am so unbelievably hyped to see what Sony Santa Monica is going to bring uh, to follow up such a great PS4 game. Yeah, I mean, that was a, a huge announcement. Very exciting that we are getting a follow-up to God of War uh, very soon, actually. And yeah, we'll talk about that more. My pick is actually, I didn't expect this, but when I thought about what my most anticipated next-gen game is, it's actually now Ratchet and & Clank. And the reason is, is I think that is going to be the, the, the one game for 
PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X that is built from the ground up for next gen. We got some kind of unexpected news this week that a lot of games are actually going to come out on last gen and next gen, but Ratchet and Clank, I think, stands alone as the one game that is really exclusive to the platform that it's releasing on, the next-gen platform. So I'm really excited to see what Insomniac does new, how they design that game, how the the load times work, and the the level switching, and should be exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't expect that to be your answer. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I, I love Ratchet & Clank, so I can't wait to play that game too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, Ratchet & Clank is not a franchise I'm typically too terribly into, but for the reasons I, I, I just mentioned, yeah, it's my... It's my most anticipated next-gen game. Uh, So we are going to now move on to uh, the Out This Week segment. Every week, Jackson and I kind of rattle off the games of note that we think that you should have on your radar that are coming out the week that we post the podcast, starting on Monday, moving all the way through the Friday of that week. And this week, we have four games that we wanted to mention. The first one is a game, Jackson, that I was not even aware of. It's called 13 Sentinels. Aegis Rim. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Aegis. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. And uh, the reason I put it on the list initially is because it's actually reviewing really well. We'll get into that a bit later. But this is a, a kind of a mashup between a 2D adventure game and a top-down strategy game. That comes out on Tuesday, September 22nd. Uh, the rest of these are a bit more familiar. Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 Complete Edition comes out on Switch and PC. That's Thursday, September 24th. And then Sirius Sam 4 comes out on Stadia and PC on Thursday, the 24th of September. And then the last game on the list, probably the one that uh, the most people are looking forward to, I would imagine, Mafia Definitive Edition comes out for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Stadia, and PC on Friday, the 25th. Any of these on your radar, or are you planning on picking any of these up, Jackson? Yes. So personally, Mafia Definitive Edition is a game that I will play. Uh, It's one of those kind of right at the cutoff before next generation titles that I want to play. I want to experience what Hangar 13 has done in recreating this game. And I had a great time with my hands on um, earlier this month, I believe it was, or maybe late last month. But anyways, I will be playing Mafia for sure. Nice. Yeah, I will probably be passing on all of these. I think I have uh, plenty to play, uh, including a couple of games that we're going to talk about in our next segment, the review roundup. After we look uh, forward at the games coming out, we look back at the games that came out the previous week and see just how they're reviewing. Uh, We got four games that have uh, pretty actually great reviews uh, from last week. Uh, Kicking things off is Super Mario 3D All-Stars. This has got a top critic rating of 84% and a recommended rating of 92%. Again, we use Open Critic for our ratings. Uh, Spelunky 2 has reviewed very well. It's getting a 89% top critic rating and a recommended rating of 92%. Um, Hades, which was announced to release uh, just today, I think, uh, in that Nintendo Direct, that's for the Switch. And PC, that's getting a top critic rating of 92% and a recommended rating of 100%. So awesome reviews for Hades. And then again, that game that we brought up in the uh, Out This Week segment, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, is getting a top critic rating of 87% and a recommended rating of 98%. So four really great games to to choose from this week. Uh, Any of these stand out to you, Jackson? Yes, so I definitely will be checking out Super Mario 3D All-Stars just for the nostalgia I think we mentioned that last week. Hades piques my interest just because of the developer, Supergiant, I believe. 
Yeah. Um, and, and they always make really, really quality games. I don't know if I'm going to play it right now, but it's definitely just kind of in the back of my mind. Yeah, I'm going to pick up Hades. I mentioned to you before we started the show that I have a road trip coming up and I'll be uh, playing my Switch for part of that. And uh, Hades being, uh, you know, Switch and PC exclusive, I it's a perfect game for me to download on my Switch and play on the road. And I'm also in- interested in Spelunky 2 because the game, I never played the first one, but that gameplay does look like it is my, my jam. And uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to love that game. So I'm going to check that out. I'm going to try to get to Super Mario 3D All-Stars, but there's just so much to play right now that um, having played all three games on that collection, uh, I might be changing my tune from last week, but I'm just not sure I'm going to get to it. But lots of great... Too many games. Yeah. Too many games. Yeah. Kind of the story of our lives and probably many of our (laughs) listeners too right now. And that's not going to slow down at all uh, because we got uh, or we have a lot to look forward to. And that leads into our next segment. But before we get to that... Uh, We are going to take a quick break. Uh, We will be right back uh, to talk about the PlayStation 5 showcase that we just got to see. So uh, lots to talk about. We'll be right back. Do you follow automotive news or do you just like cars and want to see what the heck's going on? Well, then you might like Donut Media's new podcast, The Big Three. Hi, I'm James Pumphrey, and every week, me and my co-host slash two of my top five friends, Nolan Sykes and Joe Weber, unpack the latest and greatest in automotive news and trends on The Big Three. You'll also get a lot of laughs, hot takes, and personal insight on cars from the biggest car guys in automotive media. So, whether you're a hardcore enthusiast or just a person who goes, up, that's a good-looking car, <laughs> check out The Big Three, available wherever you get your podcasts, or you can watch the full videos at Donut Podcasts on YouTube. And we're back. Now we are going to get into the week in previews. This is the section where we talk about all of the news about upcoming games that came out the week prior to the podcast, and we also sometimes get into our hands-on impressions. This week, no hands-on impressions because there is just too much news to talk about, Uh, starting with the big PlayStation reveal event that everybody was looking forward to. Jackson, what were your initial impressions of this PlayStation 5? Uh, I don't know if I just called it a reveal event, but it's more of just a showcase. What was your initial impression? I was really impressed with what Sony showed. It was um, more of the same. Uh, And then we saw some kind of like remaster stuff, the PlayStation collection. That was exciting. Uh, And then they went out with a banger with God of War, uh, Ragnarok, whatever that will be. So just like I was super impressed with the Xbox event, uh, PlayStation comes back and gets me really excited for what they have to offer. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was a really tight show. The pacing was good. There wasn't a lot of filler, and we got a lot of exciting news. There was also some interesting omissions of information that I thought were... um, They kind of put a damper on some of it, but we'll get to that later. But in terms of just what they showed, yeah, the games, I I thought they did a fantastic job. Sony really knows how to put together a a, a quality buttoned-up presentation, and uh, they hit us with banger after banger. But... uh. I want to get into, first of all, the big information that they actually gave us at the end. We finally got uh, the the price and the release date of the PlayStation 5 consoles. Uh, both the digital and the standard edition are releasing on November 12th. The standard edition is uh, priced at 499 US dollars and 499 euros. 
449 pounds and the digital edition is 399 US dollars 399 euros and 359 pounds so uh what was your response to that Jackson was that a surprise to you or was that kind of what you expected that was really in line with my predictions uh, that I posted. I think I tweeted them, but I think I've also talked about them on this show. I thought that they were going to be competitive with the Series X, but the digital version would be a little cheaper because that makes sense. The disk drive costs money, so they had to bake that into the five or four ninety nine. But um, I, I expected them to still ask for at least four hundred for the digital version, and they do. Yeah, that. So the 499 for the standard edition for me, that's what I expected. But unlike you, I was a little surprised that they were able to get the digital edition as as cheap as they were. And I, I think that that is, a, for for Sony, that's a fantastic price point uh, that they can say you can get into next gen uh, with a PS5 at, at 399 I was a little surprised by that. But great news uh, for gamers all around. It feels very PlayStation 4 yeah. to me, you know, like launch, that's, that's how much it costs and that's your price of entry for this gen. Yeah. So, so those are the prices, but I do want to talk about the just the launch lineup. I think it's good to kind of set the stage for what people can expect when the PlayStation 5 launches on November 12th. So the games that we know for sure, this is from Sony directly. Uh Astro's Playroom which comes pre-installed or or I I I've been waiting to say this, it comes pre-loaded on your PlayStation 5. <laughs> there you go. Hey. <laughs> yep. Uh and then Destruction All-Stars, which is kind of that multiplayer um, extravaganza. I mean, it's, I don't know how to explain it, but anyway, Destruction All-Stars, that's a first party game. Miles Morales, we're getting the standard edition and the ultimate edition on the PS5. Uh, Demon Souls comes out on launch day. That's been confirmed. Sackboy, A Big Adventure has been confirmed. And then Godfall has been confirmed. Uh, those are all like the uh, uh, physical releases you'll be able to get. We know for sure on launch day. Digitally, you'll be able to get Fortnite and Devil May Cry 5. And then just as Jackson and I were kind of exploring, we found some other um, articles online that confirmed, at least uh, according to uh, like Push Square and Games Radar, we found some articles that confirmed some other games that are uh, supposed launch day titles. Take these with a slight grain of salt because these aren't officially from Sony, but Just Dance 2021, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is very likely, I think, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, Watch Dogs Legion. Bug Snacks, which we didn't see at all at the showcase, which was kind of a surprise to me. Dirt 5, which I think we've only seen in Xbox showcases. And then Marvel's Avengers, NBA 2K21, and Madden NFL 21 uh, seem very likely as well. What's your thought? Uh, what are your thoughts, Jackson, of this launch lineup? Right. I think it's important that Sony's giving us so many options on day one outside of uh, the PlayStation Plus collection slash your physical library of PS4 games that you can pop in. You want to be able to experience that next gen, um, you know, experience on day one. So I was really happy to see that they have a pretty robust lineup in terms of games. This is a pretty good mix. And like Josh said, there might even be more. It's a little murky right now. This is kind of what we could cobble together for our podcast. And I was impressed. Yeah, and I think that the the first party lineup is uh, when you compare it. If you actually look back at other consoles, Sony consoles, and even all consoles in general, I, I think that the first party lineup compares to what we've gotten in the past. And uh, I think when you stack up the third party games, uh, particularly from Ubisoft, they're kind of hitting it pretty hard here with Assassin's Creed, uh, Watch Dogs, Just Dance. It should be a pretty strong 
lineup. I do want to get into now the uh, the games that they actually showed in the showcase. Uh, they started off with a uh, game that was rumored, but I actually didn't believe the rumors. I was I was thinking, nah, they're not going to show this game, and that's Final Fantasy 16. But sure enough, they showed a very long trailer, and this game is uh, looking very different from Final Fantasy 15, very different from Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Kind of returns to a medieval fantasy setting. Um, and it is a PlayStation console exclusive, which is huge news. What did you think when you saw that, Jackson? So, Josh, I have to be honest. I was I was streaming this entire event, and I thought that this was just the Final Fantasy MMO, the online. I, I don't know the exact number. 14. 14. I thought that was being ported to the PS5. So I am very out of the loop on... Final Fantasy, and I I just don't have that connection to this franchise. So I'd love to ask you what you thought. I knew right away that this was Final Fantasy 16 because uh, I saw the uh, some uh, it was the the chocobos that they have. That's like the bird. Uh, if you're not right. familiar, those little yellow or they're not little, but those yellow birds. Anyway, <laughs> when I saw that, I knew that this was Final Fantasy, and I could tell by the the combat that they were showing. It wasn't MMO style combat. So I was like, this is definitely Final Fantasy 16, which was cool. It had been rumored, so I wasn't really surprised. What really took me by surprise, as I mentioned earlier, was the fact that this is a PlayStation console exclusive. So they're kind of going back to that. You know, Square Enix is going back to that PlayStation relationship that they had uh, so many years ago with uh, Final Fantasy uh, 7, 8, 9, and 10. And they seem to be going back to that. And this is a huge get for PlayStation. And this was the first time, there were a number of instances, this was the first time in the in the presentation that I was kind of like, my heart stung a little bit for Xbox uh, fans. Right. Because this is yeah. another game that, I, this may come to PC. That was another little bit of news I want to cover. It was listed in the trailer that this is coming to PC, but then the trailers that Sony released after uh, or that Square Enix released, I'm not sure, did not, they they took that out. So some people are speculating that this might not come to PC. I think it definitely will, but that Sony just wants to pitch it right now as a, a console exclusive. Right, they want this to be a console seller. Right. They want people, that's why they showed it, right? Uh, to build hype, but they want people to go and get a PlayStation 5 on day one for the anticipation that they'll need it for Final Fantasy 16. It's interesting that we have no release date or no release window for this game. So it's definitely there to build hype. But I like what you said about Square Enix because we saw Kingdom Hearts come out cross-plat. Kingdom Hearts 3 came out to a lot of platforms, but now we're seeing a shift back uh, for Final Fantasy. So uh, this is huge for a lot of people. I'm really excited. Yeah, this will be a big game when it comes out. I do think you mentioned the release window or lack thereof. I think this is probably, of all the games we saw in this showcase, I think this is the furthest out uh, there, it didn't visually look all that impressive to me. Uh, like mm-hmm. especially some of the the, the lip syncing and the voice acting seemed a little off. Um, and judging by that, and also Square Enix has a reputation for just announcing games long before their release. So I wouldn't expect this game next year. I would think that this might be a 2022 release. Uh, next up, we got to see an amazing demo for Spider-Man Miles Morales. There, there wasn't anything here that surprised me other than this game just looks really great. Uh, the gameplay looks silky smooth. The combat looks amazing. Interesting to see just how good the gameplay looked. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited that this is a game I'm going to get to play on my PlayStation 5 day one. Um, that is a huge selling point. Spider-Man 
was huge for PlayStation 4 and huge for Insomniac. So the fact that they were empowered to make Miles Morales and have it as a launch title, uh, I think is massive. So this was one of my favorite games of the show. Yeah, it looks even though we already knew about it. Yep. Yeah. And it's just cool to see, yeah, some new gameplay. And and yeah, after the fact, after the show, they did confirm this is a launch game. So we'll get to play it on November 12th. Uh, also worth noting that this will, there will be a standard edition for $50 and a uh, special edition. I, I think they're calling it something other than the special edition. The ultimate edition, I think, is $70. Uh, and that will come on the PS5 anyway. That will come with a, what would you call it, Jackson? Upgraded edition. Upgraded edition, yeah, of Spider-Man uh, for the PS which was for the PS4, now for the PS5. Right. Uh, and it comes with all the DLC as well. So that's cool. And it's interesting to note, not to muddy our news here, but this game's also coming out on PlayStation 4. I'm sure we're going to talk about that later. But uh, it, yep. it's, it's yeah, it's coming out on both of these consoles. But for PS5, you'll get it on day one if you, if you go out and grab it. Yeah, and we will talk about that later, and I have some feelings about that. So that'll be, <laughs> that'll be an interesting conversation. Uh, moving on, though, we then got to see uh, Legacy of Hogwarts. This is the Harry Potter game that was leaked all the way back in October of 2018. So we've known about this for a while. Uh, this is developed by a studio here in Salt Lake. I'm in Salt Lake for people who don't know. And I, our, our like only major development studio is working on this game, which I think is cool. But uh, it's called Avalanche. And they are making, yeah, this, this WB published Harry Potter game, which looks actually, I think, really good. I don't know if we got to see any gameplay in this trailer. It might have been all cinematics, but... Honestly, I thought it, it, it showed really well. Uh, are you a Harry Potter fan at all, Jackson? Uh, I can't self-describe myself as that, um, but I, my girlfriend is, and so I've obviously read through the books again. Um, growing up, I liked some of the books, but yeah, not a huge fan. That said, this the prospect of you know sort of an RPG-looking open-world Harry Potter prequel experience on next-gen is awesome, and the fact that they finally revealed this thing after years of rumors, like you said, uh, was incredible. This was the biggest surprise, actually, for me of the entire show. It looks like a very good game. It's interesting that uh, this is going to be available, though, on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. So it's a cross-gen title that's releasing next year. I had somehow missed that. So that's great information for me. Uh, yeah, it the, the trailer looked pretty next-gen to me, and I guess I didn't cover kind of what this game is at the top of this explanation. It is an, you mentioned it, it is an action RPG. This is going to be definitely heavy on the RPG elements, uh, which fits, I think, for the Harry Potter franchise. Moving on, uh, Call of Duty Cold War was the next game they showed. I, I think it's funny for me personally, this was kind of the lull in the show. And when Call of Duty is a lull, uh, you've got yourself a good showcase. Um, <laughs> You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's because it's Call of Duty and it's, you know, we get we get Call of Duty every year. But um, they showed the first campaign mission. I, I want to hear your reaction. But my first reaction is they are definitely moving away from the kind of more grounded feel of modern warfare from last year and back into the over the top, just set piece action, nonstop action from that, that we kind of come to expect from Call of Duty. Right. I think that uh, you get that because of Treyarch's influence and their games are a little more stylized, whereas Infinity Ward goes for that uh, realistic, grounded approach. And then you've got Raven Software, who's seeming to have an even bigger role in this game than ever. So, yeah, I wasn't super, like, floored by what they saw. It's more of what we expected, and I think that's because Cold War just very recently had its reveal. Like, we've had a ton of information on this game. So 
more of the same. I'll play it. Yeah, I'm going to play it too. Uh, I like that the campaigns are kind of really tight, short eight to 10 hour experiences, which is perfect for me. Um, You know, speaking of having too many games to play, but I'll definitely check this out. (laughs) Uh, The next game that they went into was another just banger. Uh, We've got a bunch of them here. Resident Evil Village, I think looks fantastic. We got to see much more gameplay this go around, and uh, we got to see what I thought was interesting. They showed kind of a story element, the storybook element, rather, where this little girl is wandering through this, uh, like, kind of fantastical world, which was very non-Resident Evil. Did you have a reaction to that, Jackson? I did. Initially, I was like, this is, just like you said, very un-Resident Evil. It's like something we haven't seen for this brand ever like to to market it this way and i'm curious if this is only a marketing thing or if that is like little segments that we will experience uh, throughout the story yeah i got the impression that it might actually be in the game which again very different for resident evil but they have this franchise is known for mixing things up i mean if you look at like the early resident evil games to resident evil 4 then 5 and 6 and 7 they've almost all been completely different so i'm interested to see how they mix it up with Village or Resident Evil 8. Uh, That was Resident Evil. I'm very much looking forward to this. I don't know. We did get a release. Well, I think we already knew. It's coming out in 2021. Um, I'm expecting this game a little earlier in the year, but that's I have nothing to base that off of. Just kind of how that's where Resident Evil 7 came out. I guess it came out, I think, in February of the year it came out. Yeah, I think I think It'll be the latter half just because of everything that's going on in the world. Like that may delay things. But who knows? Village might have been slated to come out earlier and now it's delayed to the early half of 2021. So, yeah, we'll see. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. I'm I'm very much looking forward to Resident Evil. Uh, Me too. As I'm in fact, the next game on this uh, list might be the game that I think looks the the coolest of all the games we saw. This game is just dripping with cool. And that's Deathloop. Uh, from Bethesda and Arcane Studios. So we got to see a bunch of new gameplay. Uh, We got to see kind of more how this time loop uh, process might work. This really looks kind of like a roguelite to me, a first-person roguelite, but they haven't used that term at all, where you go through these levels and try to figure out how to complete certain objectives and assassinate your target. Are you as excited about this game as I am, Jackson? I really am, and actually the way that you just described it makes me even more excited because I think for a first-person game to take that approach is very unique and to sort of set back the time. I don't know if you played Outer Wilds when that came out I uh, did. last year. I didn't that finish game, it, but I played it. Okay, that game is brilliant in the way that it uses time as a central mechanic and a central theme, and if Deathloop goes for that approach like it seems that they're suggesting with these trailers so far and you bake in the fact that it feels like a roguelite uh, experience i think it's gonna be really good and i love arcane they make games that drip with personality uh, they are always unique and i think they're masterful devs and the fact that this is a ps5 console exclusive it's timed right i'm not 100 percent sure on that so they were pretty clear in this presentation that this is like it, it seemed to me anyways that this was a PS5 exclusive, console exclusive, and and not going to be released on other consoles. But if I remember from the previous showcase, that was not what they communicated. I thought that this was a timed exclusive like you just mentioned, but it, it seemed from like what they said here that this might only be on PlayStation and PC, but I couldn't find... If that's find, true, yeah. yeah, I couldn't find anything either. But if that's true, that's, again, a huge win for Sony. This game looks fantastic. 
Uh, the other thing I wanted to note on this is it does look like it's taking some influence from the Hitman games, where you kind of can experiment and figure out how to assassinate whoever you're assassinating. So just something else that... Right. I, I think it's also very dishonored in, in the way that it's open-ended. It's sort of a sandbox um, kind of game where you create the opportunities. They give you a bunch of options, but you know, you've got to figure out how to use those tools in order to get the job done. So... Um, I'm excited for this game. It releases quarter two, 2021. So it's not that far away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be very excited for that. Uh, the next game that they showed is not uh, as much my uh, my cup of tea. Devil May Cry Special Edition. This is coming out at launch digitally. You can't get it physically. It's only a digital release. Um, and the biggest feature that I read that uh, people seem to be most excited about is you can now play as the character Virgil, who I'm not familiar with, but Apparently, that's something people have been asking for in Devil May Cry 5. So did you play this when it came out? I did. Um, and, and I'm not a huge DMC fan. I know they have very, very passionate fans. Um, I actually talked to one while I was going to pre-order my PS5, but we'll save that story for later. Uh, Virgil is Dante's like mortal enemy. It's his brother. Okay. So, it, it, And you only, you know, he's he's the villain. So it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, you get to play as him. So. Um, yeah, this is very exciting for, like you said, kind of that subsection of fans, uh, but this will also be on Xbox Series X. Yeah, yeah, this is not an exclusive. I, I imagine it might even be coming to PC, but I'm not sure we've gotten any confirmation of that. Um, the next game, again, not one that I'm I'm super jazzed for, Oddworld Soulstorm. This is the, the next game in the Oddworld uh, series. Uh, this has been going on since the original PlayStation. These are kind of 2D puzzle platformers. Uh, you interested in this at all? Uh, unfortunately not. Uh, I'm going to pass on this one. I did play Stranger's Wrath, but that was a 3D third yep. person shooter. So very different kind of game. Yeah, the Oddworld series has kind of jumped around uh, genres a little bit. Uh, the next game is one that I have n- I've never played a Five Nights at Freddy's game. I have no interest in it, I have to be honest. <laughs> but for fans of Five Nights at Freddy's, you will be able to play that on your PlayStation 5. This is F- Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach. Yeah, I, I think it's just a, a franchise. I mean, you see Five Nights at Freddy's toys at Target. So it's just one of those franchises that as long as it's got people playing, they're going to keep making games. Yep. And next up is a game that was close to one of my, you know, we we answered our what's our most anticipated next-gen game. And I almost answered with this one because it has crept up my list of most anticipated games, and that's Demon Souls. Uh, this game looks beautiful. Uh, Blue Point is such a talented team; they really impress. Like the uh, uh, the remaster of Shadow of Colossus was, or the remake rather, was fantastic, and I think that they it look was to be so good. They look to be uh, uh, keeping with that same level of quality with Demon Souls. This game just looks it's gorgeous. It it, it really is, and. Uh, what was stunning to me is that PlayStation neglected to give us any indication of when it would be coming out during the show. Yeah. And then only until after we learned that this is a launch title, like we're going to be able to play this game, a PlayStation 5 exclusive game right when the PS5 comes out. And even though the initial trailer said that it would come out on PC, they Sony actually removed the trailers from all their social media platforms and re-uploaded them without that little slide card at the end there. So maybe this is not coming out on PC, which is crushing for a lot of people because I know so many Soulsborne fans have just been begging to have these games on PC. So 
Uh, Demon Souls, like you said, is such a huge game. It's almost right there with Spider-Man for me. Um, it's it's very close. Yeah, I initially wasn't too excited about this because so I'm a I'm a huge Sekiro and Bloodborne fan, but I've never been able to get into the 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 um, Dark Souls games because they're too slow and lumbering for me. But I right. watched the gameplay of this and it looked like dodging is definitely like the, I saw some really quick dodges. It looks like you'll be a little bit more mobile in this game than you will be in the Dark Souls game. So I'm very excited. And based on this trailer, yeah, I got I got much more excited than I was previously. I was a little disappointed we didn't get to see any UI because you can kind of tell a lot about how these games work by seeing how like the stamina and the life um, meters uh, work. Right. You didn't get to see any of that, which was a little disappointing, but um I'll definitely actually I pre-ordered this with my PlayStation 5. Again, we'll talk about that later. Next was Fortnite. Uh nothing special here, just it's available at launch. So if you're a Fortnite player and you're getting a PS5, uh that's great news for you, but I don't think that surprised anybody. Yeah, this is I I don't think people are buying a PS5 for Fortnite. Um it's a free-to-play game and I seriously doubt that the experience is going to be that much better on next gen. Uh, I could be wrong there, but Fortnite has obviously a huge audience even to this day. Uh, but yeah, don't want to focus too much on this. It was like, okay, yeah, we know. Moving on, cool for people who maybe haven't played very many PlayStation 4 games. PlayStation announced the PlayStation Plus Collection, which will be launching, I believe, day one with the PlayStation 5. This is, uh, if you're subscribed to PlayStation Plus, which is their subscription service for online play, uh, you get a, a list of great, really great games, uh, that, but they've all, you know, if, if you've owned a PlayStation 4, in all honesty, you've probably played most of these. Uh, God of War, Last of Us Remastered, Uncharted 4, Thief's End, Battlefield 1, Monster Hunter World, Fallout 4, Final Fantasy 15, The Last Guardian, Ratchet & Clank, in Infamous Second Son, Days Gone, Bloodborne, Detroit Become Human, Batman, Arkham Knight, Mortal Kombat X, Persona 5, Until Dawn, and Resident Evil Biohazard, uh, or excuse me, Resident Evil 7. What was your reaction to this, Jackson? To me, um, it seems a little strange. It seemed at first that when they flashed the logo and started saying, you're going to get to play all these games, that this was PlayStation's uh, Xbox Game Pass competitor. And after learning exactly what this is, it's not that at all to me. Um, it seems a little weird because, again, like you said, most PlayStation 4 game or most PlayStation 4 games, 99%, in fact, we got that quote from the Sony or PlayStation CEO, can be played on the PlayStation 5. So this, to me, seems like it only appeals to Xbox owners who are switching to PlayStation or first-time console owners that maybe are just getting into video games and are deciding to go with the PS5. Now they have this nice library to go with their subscription that they're going to have to pay for to play Call of Duty. That is kind of how I see this. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think this was targeted at um, the core PlayStation fan base. I think this was, you know, maybe PlayStation in, in some some room, they were thinking, how can we maybe tip the scales a little bit for Xbox gamers who were on the fence about purchasing a PlayStation or switching uh, from Xbox. This gives them, if, if you're leaving Game Pass, now you do have a library of really fantastic games to play. But yeah, for me, I mean, I think the only game on here that I've not played in some capacity is Battlefield 1, you know, so. Yeah, it, it, it's just interesting. Like loyal PlayStation owners like you and myself, I mean, We've played all these games, so the value's not there. We have them on disc or we have them digital downloads. So 
um, yeah, it's an interesting play. The the last announcement from the show was one you mentioned earlier. This was, I'm going to call it God of War Ragnarok. I don't think they've officially given it a title. It's just like the next God of War, whatever that is. Uh, what were your thoughts when you saw this? Uh, I was just blown away. Um, I actually interpreted the rumors as it being more likely that Sony would just say, you can play God of War 2018 on PlayStation 5. Like That's something we just kind of assumed that would happen at some point. It did with the PlayStation Plus collection, but the fact that they came out and revealed that the next God of War is coming, I think just kind of sealed the deal. Um, if, if anyone was uh, on the fence about getting a PlayStation 5 and like investing and jumping in right at launch, uh, the fact that this game is coming and you will have your console, you know, ready to go when it comes out is huge. And if you remember the end of God of War 2018, um, there's huge like sneak um, sort of hints at what we're going to see in the future and the expanding of this universe. And it's it's mind blowing to even think about right now uh, where they could be going with this game. So uh, it really was the perfect way to close out this perfect show. Yeah, and the big surprise for me was that it's coming in 2021, which I'm skeptical. My first thought was, oh, this is getting delayed, <laughs> but um, I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. If we're going to get this game in 2021, that means that in 2021, first party releases, we're, we're going to get, uh, if they hit all their dates, Ratchet and Clank, Horizon Forbidden West, and God of War Ragnarok. I mean, that's just like, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, it is absolutely crazy you're right and it'll further solidify i think what a lot of people are predicting to be a very strong start for sony in this next generation yeah so finally we have covered everything that they showed at the playstation 5 showcase before we move on anything you want to add to this discussion uh, i i think we we hit all the high points uh, again sony killed it and we expected them to yeah um and that's during the show. I agree, they killed it. But after the show, some information came out, and that leads into our next story that I think a lot of people were actually, quite frankly, upset about. And that is that Spider-Man Miles Morales, Horizon Forbidden West, and Sackboy A Big Adventure will all launch on PS4 alongside their PS5 counterparts. Now, this comes from WCCF Tech, who had a write-up, and they said, to support the PlayStation 4 community as they transition to the next generation, when they're ready, SIE will launch PS4 versions of a few exclusive titles, Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales, Sackboy Big Adventure, and Horizon Forbidden West, Sony writes in its official press release. The free upgrade to the PS5 version will be available both digitally and physically. Then they went on to say that while these three games were designed to take advantage of PS5 and its unique next-gen features like the ultra-high-speed SSD and DualSense controller, PS4 owners will also be able to enjoy these experiences when they launch. So... I felt like Sony kind of pulled the wool over our eyes prior when they had pitched these games as really purebred PlayStation 5 exclusives. Did you get that same impression? I think so, but I think that my reaction was a little more like, okay, I get it. I, I, I do get where they're coming from. And I think that Sony spent a lot of time with their uh, marketing and the way they're positioning themselves to explain away while they're doing why they are doing this they're saying things like you will see more cars you will see more crowds more things on the screen at once in spider-man miles morales on the ps5 version so they're they're basically saying you will see 
a next gen version, you know, a next gen experience on the PlayStation 5, but we're giving you a bridge to get there by also offering it on PS4. Horizon Forbidden West, though, that is shocking to me because we don't know when that game is coming out. Uh, I presume it's going to be the latter half of next year. But uh, the fact that that's coming out on PS4 is a little shocking because at that point, it might be almost close to, you know, six months to a year that this thing's been out. Yeah, I heard some people online speculating that maybe this meant Horizon is uh, a little earlier than we might have initially anticipated, uh, especially with God of War now also being scheduled for a 2021 release. But yeah, this was this was definitely a surprise. I also understand. I mean, I think that they'd be leaving money on the table, tons of it, with over 100 million PS4s out there if they didn't release these games. But I do feel like they had pitched these as, you know, exclusives to the PlayStation 5, and I felt like that was a little a little misleading. My my excitement for these games isn't dampened at all uh, because of this news. But um, I also think it's interesting that Xbox basically was very transparent about the same um, strategy. They just said all our games are going to release across generations. And Sony was doing the opposite. They were kind of withholding this information. And I think that that strategy proved to benefit Sony. And it was to, to Xbox's detriment that they were so transparent, which I think is unfortunate. But um, that's a great point. I, I think you're spot on there. Moving on, the next story, Kenna Bridge of Spirits was delayed from holiday 2020 to Q1 2021. The developers at Ember Lab released a statement, I believe this was on Twitter, and it just, in part, it says, this year has brought many challenges and our transition to working from home has caused development to move slower than we'd hoped. For this reason, we have made the difficult decision to delay the release of Kenna Bridge of Spirits to Q1 2021. Nothing really to add here. I want to get through this pretty quickly, uh, but this is a bummer. Yeah, game looks great. Take your time. The next story is is actually pretty big, and on any other week, this might even be like one of the headliners, but right. uh, Facebook revealed and launched, uh, well, revealed the launch of Oculus Quest 2. Uh, they have, this is the uh, follow-up to the Oculus Quest, kind of the standalone VR headset that they have released alongside the Oculus Rift, and the Quest 2 will start at $300 with a 64 gigabyte version and a $400 256 gigabyte version. Um, it has upgraded specs and a you know more a higher resolution, more powerful processor than the Quest uh, initially and uh, the reviews are pretty good. Now I, I know a lot of people have some feelings about Facebook and how they're handling uh, their Oculus uh, VR headsets and how you're going to have to be a Facebook member in order to use them down the road. That's a major bummer. But hardware-wise, this seems to be getting a very positive reception. Did you did you check this out at all, Jackson? Uh, I actually did not just because I was over overwhelmed with the PlayStation news. But um, I can say that it's nice to see that VR is continuing in the right direction. And Facebook certainly has the funds to keep pushing it forward, which I think that's the silver lining if you have very understandable reserves with Facebook and the fact that they're requiring you to log in with an account to even use this thing. I get that, but it is kind of nice to see money fueled into uh, what is basically the most revolutionary thing that's happening in gaming right now, I think. Even even though I don't think the the, the games are there yet, we're slowly getting some, like Medal of Honor, where we've got Half-Life. Um, that game came out recently, and people love that, but very small user base. Hopefully, this uh, gets in the hands of more people so we can keep pushing this medium forward. Yeah, and speaking of games, uh, just one thing of note, or two rather, on this story is that they did announce a Assassin's Creed game and a 
surprisingly, a Splinter Cell game <laughs> for the Quest 2, but we didn't get to see any footage of that. But a lot of people were upset that a Splinter Cell game was announced for a VR system and not, it wasn't like a, a standalone, uh, or I should say a, um, like a, a core experience. Yeah. Exactly. It, yeah. It, it, it does kind of suck for those fans, but uh, hey, these are big, big name titles coming to this platform. So it should push it a little because of that. Yep. Uh, so moving on into the back into the realm of next gen, uh, we got a, a bit of news about the Xbox Series S. Uh, I don't think this was too surprising, but Microsoft did announce that the Series S will not run Xbox One X versions of backwards compatible games. Um, and the reason I say that's not terribly surprising is because those games often run at 4K, and we know that the Xbox Series S is not capable of outputting 4K. Um, I don't want to get too into the, the weeds here, uh, but d d did this surprise you? or were, were I know some people might have had a negative reaction to this. Did you at all, Jackson? No, I didn't. I, I think that although I really do not like Xbox's naming conventions, like with Xbox One S, One X, yep. Series S, and Series X, I think it makes perfect sense that uh, an Xbox X version of a game will not run on an S version, right? That just yep. makes sense in my mind. So uh, the fact that Xbox One X directly translates to the Series X, whereas the S is more to the S because it is a budget console. So not really surprising for me. This makes sense. Yeah, and if if you are thinking like, oh, well, the Xbox One X is last gen and the Xbox One S is next gen, <laughs> why can't the S play those games? Right. It all comes down to 4K. Right. Basically, if you want 4K you're, and you want these Xbox One X versions, you're going to have to buy an Xbox Series X. Exactly. And you've got good options or very different options there to choose from. For sure. Um, so unbelievably, we still have a lot to talk about. We got a Nintendo Direct just the morning that we're recording this. And uh, I actually thought it was a really great Direct. I, I just watched it a couple hours ago and I'll just run down the list of the things that were of note here. Monster Hunter Rise coming in March 20, uh, 26th of 2021. Balon or Balon, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Balon Wonderland coming March 26th again, uh, 2021. Dis Disgaea 6 or Disgaea 6. Uh, Defiance of Destiny coming 2021. Ori and the Will of the Wisps is available on Switch today. Uh, again, we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, Hades from Supergiant Games is also out today. And then Monster Hunter Stories 2, Wings of Ruin coming summer 2021. So a big Monster Hunter day on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, there was a lot of focus on that. I actually did not watch the Direct. Um, I just kind of read up a, a summary of it. Uh, not super my alley. But it's interesting that Ori came to Switch. That's fascinating. And then Hades is finally out. So good news. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I did watch it, and I thought all the all of these games showed particularly well. There were other games announced, so if you want to see everything, go check out the Direct. Uh, but yeah, the Monster Hunter games look fantastic. I thought Monster Hunter Rise, it, it didn't look quite on par with Monster Hunter World, but if you're on Switch and you want a Monster Hunter experience, this looks to be a pretty core experience. So very exciting for Monster Hunter fans. Um, one real quick hit. There was a, a game revealed this week, um, and Jackson, you brought this to my attention, so I'll, I'll hand this one over to you. Yes, really quickly, it's called The Invincible. It's a first-person, single-player sci-fi thriller set in a retro-future timeline. It looks very Bioshock meets almost No Man's Sky, but don't let that kind of deter you away from it because it looks really cool. Awesome aesthetic, 
This is a next-gen game coming to PS5, PC, and Xbox Series X in 2021. It's from a studio called Starward Industries. They're Polish, and so they've got talent from CD Projekt Red, Techland, uh, other places. So these guys have worked on The Witcher 3, Dying Light, and Dead Island, some really solid franchises that have produced great work. So The Invincible should definitely be on your radar. Yep, they definitely seem to have a lot of talent behind The Invincible, and that game looks very cool, but it is now time to get into our deep dive discussion. This is the part of the podcast where we pick a topic, sometimes from the week's news and sometimes totally at random, and we dig in for a deeper discussion. This week, we are going to look at the PS5 and the Xbox Series X and see how they stack up against one another, and I guess some people might frame this as the PS5 versus the Series X and the Series S, but I I don't think it's as much of a versus this go-around. I don't think this is as much of a console war. There's definitely competition, uh, but they're doing such different things that this generation uh, looks so much different than it did before. Um, Before we get into this, uh, what are your thoughts around just the the overall quote-unquote console war and how it looks this generation, Jackson? I think it looks different this time around because these companies are uh, framing themselves differently. And if you look at previous generations, they were very similar. They're like, this is our machine. It does this. And then the other guys are like, this is our machine. It does this. And they do very similar things. And now we have Xbox over here who's offering a, you know, a, a very value-friendly option but we have PlayStation over here saying we are still offering the best experience and we're not even going to offer a value version of our uh, next gen. So it's still a competition, but like you said, it's just a little bit different this time around. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I think that they have very unique paths, Xbox and PlayStation, and that's great. They both can kind of own their their messaging because they're saying such different things, but they are launching on the same day, and they are going to be competing for dollars. And I think that to deny that is a bit naive. Um, and and speaking of dollars, the pricing, now that we know the pricing, Xbox Series S at 300 and the X at 500 and then the PlayStation having a $500 and a $400 option, did you feel like there was one or the other Xbox or PlayStation that had an advantage on pricing? Uh, I think it's interesting. I think they both have different advantages um having a a console at three hundred dollars is is game changing we saw it with the switch for example i think it launched at 300 i'm not 100 percent yes the switch did it did yeah so and and the switch if you look at the sales um in in the short time that it's been out it is just mind-blowing how quickly that thing is selling not to say that the series s will pull a switch they're very different consoles and markets but um I think that Xbox has the value advantage. It makes sense that people uh, without huge discretionary income and budgets will want a next-gen experience but go for the budget, which is the Xbox Series S. But then I think you can look at it from the angle of uh, the PlayStation 5 Digital Edition gives you that top-of-the-line next-gen experience for $400. So it's not that that much more. But it doesn't have the disc, which is a problem for a lot of people. Uh, So I think it's worth noting that technically you're getting a top-of-the-line experience for cheaper on the PlayStation 5 if you're willing to sacrifice that physical media. Yeah, I completely 
agree. I actually don't have a lot to add on the price thing. I, I think the Series S makes Xbox the the choice for people who are on a very strict budget and want just a ton of games. Actually, the one thing I will add on price is that the, the PlayStation 5 is actually a lot more than $500 when you factor in the price of games if you want um, to to buy some some next-gen games. if But you can get into the Xbox Series S with the way that Xbox is pushing Game Pass, I feel like you can basically just go in and buy the, the, the Series S for 300 bucks and call it a day. Go home, play your games. Whereas with PlayStation 5, you know, yesterday I pre-ordered three games. That's that's almost 200 extra dollars. Right. That's how much it costs to, to have Game Pass for a year. You know, just, just by comparison, if we're being honest about how much things cost, that, that's it. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't have much else to add except for the fact that uh, you're paying up for the ability to play your physical library if you have one. You have to pay 500 if you want a disk drive. Um, this is something that I actually had a few people call me out on the YouTube version uh, of our podcast here and got feedback about. It's totally worth noting. If you have a physical library, you don't have a choice, really, if you care about playing all those games that you invested money in. Yeah, like so you can see behind me, um, I have a huge physical library. And that's like for me, physical was the only way to go. So I had to pay the extra $100. Um, and you guys can't, you can see behind me, but uh, you don't see any games and there aren't any in my office. I don't really own physical games. I abandoned them. So uh, it's interesting. Uh, there's a lot of people, I think, that are on both sides of, of this, like Josh and I. Yeah. And so uh, one other part of this quote unquote console war, and this is the part that I think is really less consequential and less important, but a lot of people, uh, you know, will bring this up in the YouTube comments or just comments in general, and that's the specs of the consoles. Which one is more powerful? I mean, I did a huge video on the PlayStation 5. I'm, I think I'm pretty knowledgeable on what the PlayStation 5 can do. I'm less knowledgeable on the Xbox Series X, but from what I can tell, like there is, if you're debating between a Series X and a PlayStation 5 based on the specs, like it's a toss up. I mean, we can get into some of them here. I think one big one is the PlayStation 5's SSD has only 825 gigabytes, where the Series X has one. I'm not going to get into as much the Series S because that's kind of a, a, a unicorn when it comes to these consoles. It's a bit different. Um, the GPU and the CPU are, are pretty close. The, the, the Xbox Series X runs at uh, more teraflops than the PS5. The PS5 has 3D audio. That might be a selling point for some people. But ultimately, like I think this is what it comes down to. Both are capable of 8K and 120 frames per second if you can even display those. But if you're if you're talking about what the what the systems are capable of, they can both do the same stuff. They can both do ray tracing. I don't want to go on too much about this, but um, surely there will be some flame wars around this. Of course, there there always is. I actually encountered some while doing some research for our podcast here, and it's just funny what people. Um, what people point out. Most people point out the games, which we'll talk about in a second when we're comparing these consoles. But um, for me, I expect these multi-platform games to play exactly the same across both of these consoles, pretty much like they already do. We had some fluctuations on the Pro and the series or the Xbox One X uh, this generation. But for now, for the launch, I expect these to be very similar experiences outside of the first party titles. I think Sony's going to still deliver that premium experience with uh, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and Demon's Souls. Um, in fact, the thing that I think is most unique about the specs, which isn't even a spec, it's a, it's a peripheral, 
is is the controller. I think PS5's controller is genuinely intriguing and a selling point for me. I don't know if it is for everyone, but haptic feedback and adaptive triggers, they sound awesome to me. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to get that controller in 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 our hands. I just I just hope it feels really really comfortable because I love the DualShock 4 and I hope that this is uh, on par with that. I actually like the Xbox controller even better. So um yeah, I, I think hope they don't tweak it too much. I know. I think the Xbox controller works for more people and the PS5 uh feels a little bit like a toy, but if if you're <laughs> if you're large like me then you're going to run into that with a lot of things. So Yep. And one last thing on performance is they all, including the S, they all have an SSD. So that's, and I, they're all fast. So <laughs> that's going to, uh, like all these talk about load times, it's not going to matter which console you get. You're going to, you're going to experience those benefits no matter which of these that you buy. So that's, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving away from hardware though, the launch lineups for the games are, I think this is where, you know, Sony, especially after that Halo announcement, this is where Sony at least in my mind, is if you are going to look at this as a competition, th- this is where Sony might be winning. Yeah, I, I I actually do believe that they are winning on the launch lineup. Um, I actually got a more reputable source in front of me right now, Josh, if you don't mind. I can just rattle off what you can expect on launch in terms Absolutely, of go exclusives. For it. Yeah, so you've got Spider-Man Miles Morales. This is for the PlayStation 5. Spider-Man Miles Morales, Sackboy, A Big Adventure, Destruction, All-Stars, Demon Souls, Astro's Playroom is going to be preloaded, um, and Godfall. That is it for the the like exclusives. And then you get to multi-plat, and it's pretty much all over the place. And all ma- multi-platform games are going to launch on both consoles on launch day. So um, that's for the PS5. And then Xbox Series X, you've got Gears Tactics, which was already on the previous gen. It came out earlier this year you have only for pc though i think oh really that's yeah i don't think that released for xbox one okay i could be wrong but i'm i'm pretty darn sure okay well there you go and then we've got tetris effect which is xbox exclusive it's a multiplayer tetris game um and then you've got yakuza like a dragon which i believe was on previous gen um but it's not listed as a launch title right now for playstation 5 and then you've got the falconeer which i don't know really anything about, but those are the Xbox like exclusive launch lineup games that are not coming out on PlayStation Five. Okay, so yeah, it's uh, I I do think that yeah, if you're looking for that, like you mentioned earlier, that premium next gen exclusive experience, there's more to play on uh, on PlayStation Five. But uh, you know, with Xbox again, I've I'm probably starting to sound like a broken record, but with Game Pass, it's that there will be there quite frankly, there will be more to play on your Xbox than there will be on the PlayStation 5 if you sign up for Game Pass. Absolutely. There will be. And there's a really interesting tweet that I I I found yesterday. So Aaron Greenberg, who is the uh Xbox games or just Xbox games marketing. So he's, you know, a one one of their high-level marketing. Um, folks over at Xbox. Anyway, he tweeted out, he retweeted a tweet from Xbox News that said, confirmed, Xbox is now the console with the most games confirmed to be next-gen only console exclusives. And then they included a list of games. Some of these I actually haven't, um, I'm not familiar with, 
uh, well, one up at the top anyway, as dusk falls, as dusk falls, excuse me, but the rest are Avowed, Everwild, Fable, Forza, Motor, Forza Motorsport, The Gunk, The Medium, Fantasy Star Online 2, New Genesis, Scorn, Senua's Saga, Hellblade 2, Stalker 2, State of Decay 3, and Warhammer 40,000, Dark Tide. So that's just an interesting tweet that, if that's true, this is not from Aaron Greenberg himself. He retweeted this from a, a, a Twitter account, Xbox News. Yeah, I think that that person tweeted that or that account decided to do that only after they saw confirmation that Sony came out and said, look, we are releasing a lot of these games on PlayStation 4. Um, that's yep. what that sounds like to me. Uh, so, yeah, it's interesting that they are coming out and saying that, but it's hard for me to look at that list of games and say, like, okay, now I'm only getting an Xbox, you know? <laughs> I, I'm I'm not in that position, luckily. I, I am planning to get both, but if I wasn't, I can't say that that would be a convincing tweet to me personally. I I actually agree. I think <laughs> of the games on that list, the ones that, that do speak to me are, you know, uh, uh, the medium, I'm going to play that, and uh, Hellblade 2. And other than that, and, and Everwild, but that is so, I think that game is a long way off. So, um, but just an interesting take. It it is, and I'll add Avowed to that list. It's a it's an Obsidian RPG open world. People are out of their minds, yep. blown, ex- excited, out of the water on that. Um, I'll check out some other things, but but like I said, that's not like a convincing marketing point to say that those are only um, Xbox, you know, Series S and X games for, for me personally. Yeah, and uh, just before we move on, there will be I think give it some time, and Xbox is going to have plenty of first party exclusives and eventually they will be next gen exclusives they've put all the this money they've invested heavily into uh these uh first party studios so uh there will be the games will come uh but it might take a little more time on the xbox side right and i do actually want to point out before we move on halo infinite not coming out is uh just a huge gut punch um if that game was a launch title for xbox i don't want to like get into numbers predictions on hypotheticals but the Xbox would sell much more than it will, in my opinion, if Halo Infinite was there day one, November 10th. Yeah, yeah, we can't overlook that. That was a major setback for Xbox and Xbox gamers. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that when it does come out, hopefully it's uh, uh, honestly, hopefully it's the best Halo ever, because if it's not, <laughs> I think it's going to be a disappointment. That's a great point. It needs to be really good. Yeah. Um, so sticking with the games, but in a different capacity, uh, backwards compatibility, this is one area where Xbox is, I think, definitely winning the day. They have invested heavily in making many of their Xbox, original Xbox, Xbox 360, and Xbox One games backwards compatible on the uh, Series S and X, whereas PlayStation has basically said, we're doing our very best to make every PlayStation 4 game backwards compatible, but beyond that, you're out of luck. Right, and I did note um, that you will be able to play those games if they were ported to the PlayStation 4, if they came out on previous generations, obviously. I think that's that goes without saying, but just to clarify, like if there's a PS2 game like Grand Theft Auto San Andreas that was ported to the PS4, that's a game you can play on your PS5, but uh, it's, it's, it's much more restricted, and I think this is by design, personally. I think Sony wants you to just play their new games. They're not like Xbox in their messaging. They they really want you to to move forward and not look back. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So if you if you are looking forward to playing old games, uh, particularly if you have a connection to the Xbox library and lineage, uh, Xbox has a lot to offer here. Um, and and speaking of having a lot to offer, the next kind of area where the two consoles don't it, well, they do compare. It's uh it's the services, and here we have Game Pass, which Microsoft is putting so many of their eggs into that basket, especially now that they don't have a, a strong first-party lineup to launch with. Whereas Sony had, they do have PS Plus, and I don't want to leave out PlayStation Now. PlayStation Now is more a bit of a direct comparison to Game Pass, but they don't have those first-party games day and date. Right. It's 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 kind of a different offering, I guess. Yeah, you're right. PlayStation Now is the more direct competitor to Xbox Game Pass, but uh, I think everyone around the industry pretty much knows that it's it's hard to compare the two because PlayStation now just doesn't it doesn't offer the same value and it doesn't offer the same experience even um, and it's taken a long time it's like you said it's weird that they didn't even put that at the showcase um, so in terms of like a Netflix-esque subscription I think we do give the win to Xbox uh, it's kind of hard to argue that in my opinion yeah so I would encourage anyone who hasn't gotten into Game Pass, if you have an Xbox or you're looking into uh, getting an Xbox, you must get Game Pass. It's uh, it's fantastic value. Yeah, it's it's worth it. Um, so, but it, it, is, is that enough for Xbox, Jackson? Do you think that that's going to carry them through? I, whew, that's a, that's a tough question. I, I, I think that it absolutely offers enough value over time for gamers on a budget. We, we talked about that Example earlier, you already pre-ordered three PlayStation 5 games. That's that's Game Pass for a year in which you would have been able to play, I don't know, however many games you have free time to play. Um, but the question is, does it still appeal to gamers who aren't looking like for the value, that aren't on a budget, that still want uh, to experience a huge library for that subscription. And I'm just going to use myself as an example. Yes, I use Game Pass. I have played some Wasteland 3, some Microsoft Flight Simulator. Um, it, it, it is attractive to me. But to answer your question, is it enough? Ultimately, I don't think so. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, not, not on its own, for sure. Um, they are going to have to do more to compete with Sony's first party offerings, even if those offerings are coming out on PlayStation 4. Uh, you know, now we know that they're not as quote unquote exclusive to PS5 as we once thought. Um, when Sony does these showcases, they give people a ton of reasons to say, that's why I need to buy a PlayStation. And uh, I just don't see as many of those reasons when I look at Xbox's showcases. I do think Game Pass is a massive one. And if you are looking for value if you're if i mean if you're listening to this podcast you're probably like a pretty hardcore gamer and um so this isn't for you but if if you are like more of a casual gamer and you just want value xbox all the way if you are um if you are a hardcore gamer but you still are just on a budget maybe you've had a tough year this year which a lot of us have or maybe you just are you just don't have a lot of money to throw around xbox all the way um if you do want though those like I think of myself personally, if I were to only get an Xbox this next generation, I would absolutely feel like I'm missing out. If I were to go the other way, get a PlayStation and not an Xbox, I'd still feel like I'm missing out, but I could handle it. It wouldn't be as bad, you know? That's a great way of putting it. I 
I can't imagine only getting just me myself in my position. I cannot imagine getting only an Xbox. I would be missing out on some incredible games. And I think that Sony's messaging is very clear compared to Xboxes. Like Game Pass, I guess, is not that complicated as a concept, but it's like, we're going to sell you the subscription and you're going to be able to get the first party titles on day one. And there's over a hundred games and we add them frequently. Sony's just like, look at our games. They're awesome. So um, I think there's a messaging issue baked into there too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think Xbox has stumbled quite a bit, not just with the Halo thing, but their messaging has been a bit more confusing. And I hope to see them uh, uh, tighten that up as we move forward. I mean, so, so speaking of, you know, where do you see the this generation of consoles in one or even two years? For me, um, I see that Sony and PlayStation are going to have a pretty healthy lead. Um, it, it's hard to come up with numbers. Um, I actually wish that we had found like the the, the first two year numbers for PlayStation Four and Xbox One because I think that's pretty telling. Um, I think that uh, Xbox is starting off on a better foot than last generation. Um, and not having something like connect to shove down our throats and all in one entertainment, all of that stuff is gone. It's, it is about the games, but, um, I think that brand loyalty is just way too strong for PlayStation. I think people know that they're going to get a really good experience. Um, so I think that the, the PlayStation five will outsell Xbox series S and X by a pretty good margin for the first two years. Yeah, I agree. I think that it will be very interesting to see. I think we're going to have to rely more on anecdotal evidence because I don't know if whoever's losing, I don't think it's going to release their sales numbers. But it'll be just really interesting to see if uh, both these consoles or all three of them, the PlayStation 5 and then the Series X and Series S are all just difficult to find this holiday. I think we'll get a good idea of um, if, if there's one, like if the Series S, if you can just walk into a store and buy a Series S in December, that's very. That, I think that's going to be very bad for for Xbox. But um, down the road, I think that if if Microsoft truly believes in their strategy and they keep pushing it, I think they'll do just fine, long term. Yes. But uh, I I think it could be a little bit of a rough start for them. Right. I'm right there with you. And yeah, you're right. We're gonna have to get some get creative to see how these games are performing. I think we can also look at um, NDP stats. That'll be a great way to see because if. PlayStation is moving more copies, we will know that. And therefore, we will know that it's succeeding more because there's more out there. So um, in, in terms of which console will succeed most by the end of the generation, where do you think they stand? I think that, again, I if, if I'm going really long term, my prediction is that if Xbox continues to do what they've been doing, hopefully they get a little better with their messaging. But if they if they continue, continue to push Game Pass, and they continue to invest in these studios and give them the 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 creative freedom to make the games they want to make. I think by the end of the generation, um, I think that it could be neck and neck, but it's not going to be neck and neck in terms of oh, this they've both sold the same number of consoles. It's going to be Xbox is healthy doing what they're doing, and PlayStation is healthy doing what they're doing. I think that that's where we hopefully are at the end of this generation, and I don't think that's far-fetched at all, even though I, again, think that it's going to be a rough start for Xbox. Yes, I love the way that you said that. I, I think they will both be healthy. I think that's a that's a great way of putting it, um, and I think that the one thing Xbox needs is to stay on message, like you said, but also they just need those games. They need those studios to perform. They need to be good. I mean... 
Um, I, I don't want to call out any specific games, but exclusives on Xbox have been really disappointing to me in the past like four years. So they need to turn that around. I mean, we need Fable to be amazing. We need uh, Avowed to be amazing. And Halo Infinite needs to be the most amazing to me. Yeah, and whatever the initiative is, or whatever the initiative is, that's their uh, studio that they put together in uh, California. Whatever they're coming up with also needs to be um, something that people really want. Like, whenever they reveal that, people have to, whether it's perfect dark or something entirely new, when people see it, I, I feel like a lot hinges on people saying like, yep, they get it. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see that game. So... It'll be interesting to see, you know, we get our hands on these systems in less than two months, uh, which is hard to believe, but it's starting to feel a lot more real. Uh, you and I both got our pre-orders for PS5, very fortunately so, this uh, last couple of days. So it's coming right up. It is, yeah. Um, Josh gave me the inside scoop on physical, like in-person GameStop pre-orders. <laughs> I rushed over there. I got so lucky, um, I, I felt, and uh, it was just like a really exciting time. So I can't wait to show up to that GameStop and grab it on November 12th. And with that, we are going to take our second break. We'll be back in a minute. And we're back. So let's talk about what we've been playing. Jackson, what have you been spending your time with? So I told you guys that I finished Black Flag recently. Love that game, but... I also got to play Freedom Cry, which is the DLC. It's also standalone that follows uh, Adewale, which is Edward Kenway's uh, quartermaster turned assassin. Um, I love the game. It's I think it's my favorite DLC in the entire series. It's something that every AC fan should uh, play and experience. Very moving, very powerful story. Uh, it was excellent. I also finished Avengers and... Uh, man, I was just ultimately really disappointed with that experience. I, I just wanted something else. Um, I don't know any other way to describe it. I'm certainly happy that people got um, a live service game um, for people that enjoy that. But for me, and I think a good chunk of others, I just wanted this to be like Spider-Man PS4, and that's not what we got. Um, <laughs> so that's really disappointing to me. And then I started Assassin's Creed Unity, and I don't want to rattle off too long, but... My goodness, it is such a good AC game so far. Um, it really paints a a picture of what Assassin's Creed could have been like if it didn't launch in the way that it did. Um, Revolutionary France is gorgeous. Um, the mechanics are smooth. It was really one of the most ambitious titles in the series, and you can tell. Um, so that's what I've been playing. Man, you've been hitting the Assassin's Creed pretty hard. <laughs> That's awesome. I've got to finish a lot of games before Valhalla. That's my mission, so i got to get it done. Nice. Well, uh, unlike you, I put Avengers down. I know last week I said that I have a peeve of not, like, I, I hate not finishing games, but I just, I, I like you, I kept playing it, and I was like, this isn't what I want, and <laughs> uh, life's too short for me to spend my time playing games I don't like. So uh, I did drop Avengers, and I instead decided to pick up a game that, is I, I was pretty sure is going to be in my game of the year discussion just because I all the things I've heard about it, and that's Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which came out today on Switch as it happens. Um, and man, this has got to be one of the most... This might be the most beautiful 2D platformer, not that I've ever played, but just ever. It is such a gorgeous game. Uh, but what what strikes me about it is how hard it is. Uh, I remember Ori and, uh, Ori and the Blind Forest, yeah the first game in the series being hard uh but man the amount of like pixel perfect jumps you have to make in this game 
and also the lack of hand-holding. The puzzles in this game are genuinely hard to figure out, and it doesn't tell you anything. So if you like 2D Metroidvanias and you like racking your brain and really um, kind of like almost Celeste-level pixel-perfect plat- platforming, uh, this is a fantastic game, but much more challenging than I I um, had anticipated. Yeah, this is a backlog game for me. I really want to play it. I've heard great things, and like you said, it looks gorgeous. Yep, yeah, one of the most beautiful games I've ever played, hands down. It's just uh, stunning. So, uh, and it's on Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass, you can just download it and start playing it. <laughs> there you go, proving awesome. our point. <laughs> yep. Um, so l- the last segment we are going to end on this week is uh, we're going to dip into our mailbag once again. And um, I want to just reiterate, if you have any questions for Jackson or I, please write in. It's uh, preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Send us any questions you have, and we'll do our best to get to the uh, get to them on the next week's show. So this week, we got a question from Venom Snake. This actually came in a couple weeks back, and he asks a very interesting question. If gaming has only become more popular over time, then why hasn't any console surpassed the PlayStation 2 in sales? I feel like gaming is in 2020 is much more popular than it was when the PS2 was out. Um, I have my answer, but I'll kick it over to you, Jackson, to see what you have to say. So Venom Snake, first off, thank you for sending in your question. Um, and thanks for your patience if you're still listening from a few weeks back. Um, I did some research and I settled on the fact that the PS2 was in circulation for 14 years. Um, so that gave it ample opportunity to sell really, really well. And I also came across the fact that um, I think a lot of the uh, sales shifted between um, companies, uh, between console manufacturers. If you look at sales since the Wii came out for Nintendo, they are selling way more home consoles now. Nintendo is killing it with the Wii. The Wii U was a bit of a, a bust there, but... Um, Switch is killing it. Um, so I think a lot of um, those sales, I think it is going up incrementally, um, but it's just being shifted. There's a lot of mobile platforms like Nintendo 3DS, DS, all of those have sold insanely well. Um, you also have a lot of mobile gamers. So I think when you say gaming is more popular, I think, yeah, core gaming has evolved and, and grown, but casual gaming is really where... Uh, we've seen this industry boost a ton. It's not something that we really talk about a ton because it doesn't interest us personally. Um, but I think gaming as a whole is much more popular now. You're correct. Um, but in different spaces and the hardware shift is where that comes from. Yeah. And uh, as someone who was, um, I, I was well into my gaming career when I uh, um, when the PlayStation 2 came out. And one thing that um, a lot of people, younger people nowadays might not, no, if they didn't read about it, is that the PlayStation 2 had a DVD player, a high-quality DVD player built into it. And when the PlayStation 2 came out, it was cheaper than most high-quality DVD players on the market. So a lot of people who didn't have any interest in a PlayStation 2 went out and bought one just for that reason, just so they could play DVDs at home. Wow. Um, you got to keep in mind, this, this console launched, I think it was either 2000 or 2001. I, I want to so, say it's 2000 um, from what yeah. I looked at. So, and that was a bit, that was a big deal. Uh, th- and that, for that reason, it sold a lot of units that it wouldn't have sold had it not had a DVD player. And it was to people who didn't really have a, 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 an interest in, in gaming. So 
That's another reason that the PlayStation 2 got a huge boost at its launch. This you want to talk about the PlayStation 5 being hard to find, you know, <laughs> I think I think it was about 3 or 4 months after launch that I was able to finally get a PlayStation 2. It was really hard to find and uh Oh, that's fascinating. I had no idea. Yeah. Um so that's that's just another reason that it got uh the boost that it did. And yeah, Sony didn't stop making like there were PlayStation 2 games coming out like halfway or even longer through the PlayStation 3's life cycle. Uh, yes, so. lots of sports games because they knew. They knew that a lot of people out there weren't um, habitual video game players like a lot of the hardcore audience. But if they saw the new NCAA football and they only had a PS2, they would buy it. And it made sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've actually, I won't pick it up, but I've got mine sitting right behind me. I still play my PlayStation 2 every now and then. It's so. a great console. I loved mine. Yep. So... Anyways, that is, uh, I think this is going to be by far our longest episode of Preloaded. Hopefully everyone enjoyed it and stuck with it. If you did, thank you very much for listening. Um, again, you can write in to Preloaded at the email address, preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And if you are listening um, on any of the audio platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, uh, we'd love for you to subscribe there and rate the podcast if you have time. Uh, that will help us out a great deal. Um, and if you're on YouTube, thanks for watching. Drop a comment and Jackson and I will get in there and uh, um, have a conversation with you guys there. We'll look forward to hearing from you. So with that, I will thank you for listening and watching and we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.